let's just lay out what Elon has accomplished. So SpaceX, when they launched that rocket, the Falcon 1 in 2008 on his fourth try with his team into space, into orbit, they were the first privately built rocket ever to go to space. Before that, nation states, USSR, United States, China, with like a million times the resources had done that, right? So just objectively insane. Tesla, uh, purpose obviously is to usher in renewable energy uh, for society, sustainable renewable energy. They're also the first mass manufacturing car company in a hundred years not to go bankrupt. So two of the most impossible things you could have done, he did them at the same time. How many people could have done one of those things? Like we're talking less than five, maybe. To do two is one of one. Nobody else could have done both. Uh, welcome to another episode of Not Investment Advice. We've got Trung Fan, Jack Butcher and Bilal Zaidi here. Boys, I'm wired, mate. I was just saying I'm on the cold brew life right now. I'm on number three. Uh, got me a little hype. I just had a weekend away from my boy's wedding. What, what's going on with you boys, Jack? Heard you were well, out on the on, town. Let's, let's breaking news, breaking news. Sam Altman just tweeted, oh. caffeine is the best drug. So there you go, Bilal. There we go. <laughs> I wasn't you. even reading the timeline. Is that, is that breaking news? I don't know. But actually, <laughs> let me let me throw in one quick thing. Uh, I've been doing something that Jack Butcher might agree with. I've been drinking pre-workout for no reason. <laughs> What, just Why would I agree with a podcast? You're the wait, caffeine. Wait. Yeah. <laughs> no, wait, you took a pre-workout before hit, a podcast. Did you not hit pre-workout back in the jack? Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Before yeah, the yeah, workout, yeah, there you go. VPN shotgun, yes. VPX shotgun. You ever remember that Jack 3D? That shit will make your heart explode. My Bro, nose, you I go. used to get nosebleeds off that stuff. <laughs> Crazy. Wait, Jack, I wasn't just saying this, man. I was like, I remember you talking about pre-workout. Oh, yeah, yeah. I thought, yeah, 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 no. I mean, in the, in that context, I thought you were saying that was my, I was waking up every morning no. and before I get on the well, laptop, my, I'm doing it. I'm doing well, this it. This is a way <laughs> of like surviving with, as, parent, as a parent, like pre-workout's yeah. very allowed. But you're all allowed jokes aside, Trunk, you're taking pre-workout just general life, not, <laughs> no, like, I was, not like I, what, before workout. I was doing yeah, I don't it. recommend that. That. Well, I'll tell you what's funny. I was I got it before my runs, but then I just started being like, Fair "Oh enough. man, I like this buzz right when I wake up." <laughs> the thing you is, that, I'm not buying it, it again. I'm not buying it again. Like I'm buying, the, I'm finishing this one thing of C. It's called C4. I mean, if it's called yeah, C4, yeah. like you know, it's nitro. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let me add the one la one last thing, guys. Uh, huge shout out to George Mac. I got a lot of messages about the episode Same. last week. Incredible. Yeah, like man. Mac, thank you. Thank you, George. I know you're listening. Thank you. That's all I'm going to say. I will say, well, also shout out to, I won't say the name, but uh, someone, you know, I mentioned about the Creator Lab guest who had asked mm. me to change, take out the, <laughs> yeah. the filler words. Someone was like taking the transcript and like searching, doing control and F, <laughs> looking at how many were said. And I was like, oh my God, this is so bad. I'm going to get in trouble for this one. But they, they didn't get the right person in the end. So, uh, but yeah, shout out to the listeners, man. That was fun. You know what I'm shocked about? I didn't hear very many, like after Jack mentioned Cuck Chair a couple episodes ago. Yeah, we got so many messages about Cuck Chair. Chair is a classic. I <laughs> haven't heard a single thing about the anal print. I was shocked. Yeah. So oh, yeah, I got yeah, a yeah. text about that Not last a week. single person. Okay, Bilal got a, No one messaged me. He's like, nothing. hey man, can you send me yeah, the no. research paper? I'm nothing. curious about the anal print. <laughs> nothing. People. Nothing, man. Look, if we like, ever that's do- That's why it hasn't taken we, off commercially, fan. Yeah. There's your, you know. <laughs> 
if we ever we do know? much, we just now need we a, a picture of the cocktail, but no words, just the yeah. chair in the corner, <laughs> and people will know what it is. That's it's like an inside joke. That'll be good. All right, Jack, we we heard you had a bit of a weekend as well. What was going on? Yeah, had I actually had an NIA listener in town, friend, uh, friend, friend I've of known the pod for a couple of years, yeah, and probably listening to this right now. Came through with a link up for the Odessa concert here in uh nashville they played a amphitheater on friday night and then we hit the town afterwards i was just telling you boys we paused the storytelling so we could get it on record yeah Yeah. um for anyone who is familiar nashville has like a little strip broadway is like austin sixth street you know the the bachelorette capital of america so i'm told so we go do the do the uh show and then go out afterwards and uh this guy had his give his girlfriend his ID. So he was out without an ID on Broad. And Tennessee is like, they don't mess about with ID. Like I've gone out with my dad and they ask him for his ID. The guy's 70. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's like, yeah, yeah he has it's just to do a lot. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because so, he could be undercover cop or something. Yeah, it? yeah, yeah. So yeah. we're like walking up and down Broadway. There's 50 bars there. So it's like, you know, somebody's going to let you in or not do it at some point. And, uh, I was like, before I'd hyped up this place, Kid Rock's Honky Tonk, three-story <laughs> metropolis on Broadway in Nashville. And uh, couldn't get in there because big Q, 10 security guards, they're checking ID like five times. So anyway, we're going around, blah, blah, blah. And eventually he uh, he gets a, he persuades someone working the bar in one of these bars to go in the lost and found drawer and give him an, an old ID that hasn't been picked up. For... <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> Yo, that is smart, and man. By the way, though, it's his, like the disparity in visual is so was insane. Was it even the same race? It was yeah, so, wasn't yeah. it the same race and sex? Hey, yeah, Jennifer yeah, yeah. Chen, same Same race and sex, but every <laughs> other characteristic could not be further from. That different hair color. Be for, just ridiculous. Like, Thank 15, you, Michelle Lee. Thank 15, you for coming. 20 years yeah. older than him. <laughs> yeah. It's ridiculous. <laughs> different facial hair, just completely different. It's like, yeah, that's incredible. But yeah. you, you made it in in the end. No, we get so we get that. We go to the Kid Rock place. They're not checking ID. Oh, we that's went, we spent, funny, you know, man. we spent six hours trying to procure a way in there. <laughs> when did you say convinced? Did it. he slip him a twenty? Like, how did he convince? I don't know. Yeah, I was yeah. not. I was not privy to the negotiation. I was doing something else, and then they, you know, they kept. We. I saw him, and he's like, "Look what I got." Yeah. Uh, he, probably gave, he probably gave a, a a Jack Butcher check. He's like, "Yo, just tell me your address. I'll send you this check." Just send okay, it on quick, the chain there and then. Yeah, exactly. I have a quick question: Is uh, what is the level of safety? Do you feel safe? You know, a lot of these party streets, right? Like mm. uh, you go to Bourbon Street in New Orleans, things can get pretty crazy. But like you feel a little bit unsafe sometimes. How safe is Broadway? Do things spill over? Are there stabbings, or is it just like bar fights every now and then? And but people have a good time. I'm serious. I honestly haven't been that many times, but I don't feel like New Orleans to me. The one time I've been there did feel like you got to know what you're doing a little bit. Like I would not get. Edge, yeah. I wouldn't get like completely blasted divorced from my mental faculties <laughs> in new orleans but nashville yeah, maybe yeah. i feel a little bit more it's like they've got the mobile prison at the end of the street and ah. like coppers on every corner and it's not a big it's not a big street it's like two or three blocks it does feel like it's way more under control than your typical like sprawling uh 
and this was a long time ago I went to New Orleans. Austin Sixth Street is also a little loose in my experience. But uh no, you know, I'm I'm obviously encouraging people to travel to Nashville. Come yeah. bring your, you know, yes. bring your friends. Bring the come vibes. enjoy enjoy some live music, some good food. Honky tonk. Well, That's here, let up. me though I want I want Bilal's opinion on this too, because I'm very very curious about his various stories because Bilal lived in a lot of different places. So in Vancouver, there's a huge gang problem in the early two thousands. A lot of uh East Indian gangs, Asian gangs. So they actually created a gang squad. It was like it was like a police unit of twelve people, uh maybe more, but they had what they would do every Friday, Saturday, there's like probably 20 major clubs in downtown area. They would literally just have 12 cops roll into the clubs. They go, they point at guys, gang members. They, they all knew each other. Gang members knew the cops. Cops knew they just point like, okay, you're done. Like, there's like, if you're here, you're going to get arrested. It's like, this is the rule. No gang members allowed in these clubs. And uh, stopped everything. It's like, literally, just completely mm. stopped it. And then, what? You, but literally, you be out and you just see a dozen cops roll into a place. And then... I saw once that like, clearly this guy was a gangbanger and he just saw the cop and he just kind of smiled. Like, okay, leaving. You know, like they all know each other. It's like, okay, I'm leaving. Sorry, man. Like I'm out of here. Like they have like an understanding, right? But completely cleaned it up. Completely cleaned it up. Uh, well, they kind of moved the violence to another part they of the moved city. It to the yeah. Block. Yeah, 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 moved it to the block. But uh, curious, Bilal, if you have anything similar to how uh, Jack mentioned they got the prison on the, not the mobile prison, but like, you know, things are rowdy, but they're, maintainable do you have any you, you mean in, in new york or just in general maybe in new york or london probably i think honestly london was more growing up because back it might just be the era it might be the age it might be who i was hanging out with versus now and uh, i think that was more yeah there was a lot also the sort of places i went to as 18 year old was very different to now so i think there was definitely a lot more like a bit more trouble sort of thing and i think it was i mean we were just talking about top boy the show on netflix and jack has just started watching it the shoehorned that in amazing show but you'll see even in that show like that's i mean it's, it's fairly accurate i mean it's not it's obviously dramatized or whatever if anyone hasn't seen it it's kind of like the uk's wire uh based in london with a lot of really cool actors in there that some of them are musicians too um but you'll see just like that culture is kind of like more where I would have gone to school and stuff like that. So yeah, in that, in that world, there's always like you go in the wrong place. Like the, the amount of times you just go in the wrong place and you just, yeah, you get in trouble for, for being in the wrong place at the wrong time. Um, but yeah, so um, yeah, but I was going to say the, just to build on Jack's story, there was one time not in the club, but I did go to, there's a thing called MoMA PS1 here when I, when I first moved there. It's kind of like an outdoor party in a daytime party in, in Queens. And uh, Boy Better Know and Skepta were playing there. And I was out all day, obviously not in the best of shape. And I, I had convinced my friend, for some reason, we talked about this Indian restaurant in the city called Janoon, which I think at the time was like almost a Michelin star restaurant or something. And after a long day of being out, for some reason, we decided we had to go and get this 12 course tasting menu at Indian restaurant. Went there. They, as soon as we got there, they said, hey, you're not wearing, you're wearing shorts. You got to wear, you got to wear like pants for this. So I did a similar thing. I like spoke to one of the waiters and they took me downstairs and I borrowed a pair of trousers from nice. the waiters. It was like all of the waiters like outfits. So I'm just sitting there in these trousers smashing <laughs> this food. But sometimes you gotta just charge it to the game, man. You know, don't yeah, know. Yeah, uh, improvise. Stay uh, safe out there. That's the takeaway. Stay away. safe out there. Yeah, we've done a lot of banter talk now. Let's get on with the show. 
Boy, it's been a busy week. Let's, we're going to be talking about the Roman Empire today because that's really the meme of the week. We haven't got yeah. a visual meme of the week for this, but we're going to talk about that. We'll touch on Elon's book. I know Trung has already devoured the whole book like a human GPT. We're going to take a, exactly. a few takeaways there. An auto worker strikes uh, and a, a little breakdown on Garmin, the watch company or the electronic company. GPS. GPS. All right. So, yeah, why don't we start off with the Roman Empire? I mean, what has been going on? Because I've just seen videos all over the Internet where especially I mean, I, I see this on TikTok. I think on Twitter people are talking about it too. But there'll be like a girlfriend goes to a boyfriend or husband and says, how many days, uh, how many times a week do you talk, think about Roman Empire? And they'll be surprised. And the guys will be like, well, like probably three times a week or something like that. So like, that's all I've seen of it. But what else was going on with the Roman Empire stuff? You're probably closer Let's to it. Let's do some background. So yeah. there's a, there's a, I believe it's an Instagram influence, influencer that also had a big TikTok account. Uh, I think his name's like something like Roman Flavius. So like very on brand. And he just like tweeted, or, or, or sorry, TikToked or sent a message like, go, like ladies, Go ask your mans how often you think about the Roman Empire. I think you'll be surprised. And they that that was a trend that Bilal described. But I'll tell you the interesting, the most interesting thing about that trend and stuff I all wrote, because every single major outlet wrote it, right? It's like New York Times, Washington Post, um, a Wall Street Journal wrote about it. It's like, it's like uh, full coverage by the mainstream media. And I think there's something going on here, right? And we've talked about this in the past. Twitter used to be where like something would pop off on Twitter and it would become a piece of uh, IP for the newspapers to write about, right? Like literally like a tweet interaction. Like for example, we're talking about Elon. Elon replied to one of my tweets in 2020, something about he thought SpaceX and Tesla had a 10% chance of succeeding. That became a news article for like 20 different publications, right? And uh I think what's kind of happening, the, one of the best takeaways I saw, and I forgot who wrote it, so apologies, but they're like, you know what this shows is, A, was this even a TikTok trend? Was it actually a TikTok trend? Or is it somebody on Twitter being like, hey, there's a TikTok trend. It could have been like five people, right, that did it. And then the mainstream media is like, well, we hate Twitter and X now, so we will no longer write stories that are things that are trending on Twitter and X. And TikTok has a, a lot more cultural cachet. So we're going to just turn on whatever's trending on TikTok, quote, like trending in quotes is what I'm doing here. And we're going to make that news story. So that's what happened here. And this thing flamed out in like 12 hours, right? It's like what George, actually two episodes ago, um, Soren was talking about part of his studying was he's been looking at how quickly memes flame out, right? Like 15 years ago, a meme would last for a month. And then, and then when he came on, he's like, yeah, now it lasts for six hours. The Roman Empire was one of those things, up, down, gone, right? It's over. And we're talking about now because whatever, we're recording a couple of days later afterwards. But it was uh, obviously different in nature than the superconductor stuff, but very similar vibe, right? It's like, happens, yeah, gone. Yeah, completely Everybody forgot about in. superconductors now. Oh, so I'd like, I'd like your yeah. guys' thoughts on that of like, yeah, it was more, it's, it's more of a meta commentary on what is even viral anymore. Yeah, Jack, what did, did you see this on your your feeds? I saw it, but I guess uh, didn't dig into it that much. But I, there's obviously, uh, I think it's has that little kernel of truth in it that, that made it just freaking fly on social. Mm. That's the only observation that I made at the time. And a people, few people have asked me since then. I think I said once a month was my answer. Well, describe it. Tell us. 
Let's walk through it then. Let's each talk about through the answers. I don't have that much uh, to add other than most of the time it's politics that gets me thinking about it. The Senate. Whenever I see certain <laughs> words, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> It's been going on for a long time, you know, how the American, <laughs> to the Roman yeah, Empire you the had, American yeah. justice system is modeled on a very, uh, you know, ancient. a very well-documented ancient system. Yeah. <laughs> well, Why that would, dude, that would have been a viral that? TikTok right there if Jack said, every time I think about politics, the Senate. <laughs> yeah. Well, that boys, was like... look at this. This is uh, Google Trends, Roman Empire, the last <laughs> 90 days. Look at that. Incredible. Oh, so it actually was a thing. Yeah. This is oh, the pop talk on actually, September this is, 10th. This is chicken and egg situation here, right? Everybody's yeah, thinking yeah, about yeah, it yeah. now. But still, I mean, oh, and it says dude. related queries. You can see here, how often do you think about Roman Empire? Men think about Roman Empire. Wait, go Roman... go, go to the States. I want to see which state. Oh, uh, that's go, funny. Go. Yeah, Georgia. Georgia. I don't know how. It, I don't know how. Politics. That's the Georgia, interesting. The Georgia impeachment. I mean, the, uh, the lawsuit against uh, Trump. There you go. That's quite oh, interesting. That's dude, this is content. I'm, I'm pulling this out, man. Love that. Um, All right, cool. So. That's great, dude. I love Jack's answer. Uh, I the funniest one I saw is I posted it on uh, Twitter. Uh, I can I can or X I can share it with uh, Rafa after. It was like this Asian dude on TikTok. He's like, okay, what kind of fucking? He goes, what kind of question is that? What do you mean? What do you mean? How how often do you think about the Roman Empire? There's so many empires. He's like, there's a Persian Empire. There's a Mongol Empire. There's a Ming Dynasty. He's like, there's lots of empires. And this guy goes on this rant. But the the one I did go in the rabbit hole on was. My whole answer was uh, the Roman versus the Mongol Empire. So if you put them the maps, the Mongol Empire is significantly larger, right? Uh, but the argument that you can go down so many Reddit form rabbit holes about Mongol versus Roman. But here are kind of some takeaways for our listeners to, to get into internet arguments on. Mongol Empire is about 150 years. Roman Empire in some <laughs> form was 1,500 years, right? Some form. So Mongol was Ridiculous. fast, quick, gone. Right, uh, but, but it was, was a it was a wild it was one. Huge. And listen, here, here's the thing: the the Romans invented a lot of shit, right? Like sewage and like bridges and architecture, like jack uh, the political systems. Mongols, Mongols didn't necessarily quote unquote invent stuff, but they did create. I mean, their biggest takeaway is they created the the conditions for this like across Asia to European trade because essentially they're like okay. This is the trade route, you know, the silk route, the silk road route that the Mongols are going to lay out because we control everything. If you mess with us, we'll kill you. So here, just trade. And they did kill a lot of people. That's the other thing, right? They're much more savage. Like uh, Dan Carlin has a whole bit. I was just about, I just started yeah. listening to it last week, actually. Well, that... you tell the listeners what his TLDR about. I'm only on the first is. episode, but it was just, uh, yeah, it's a really good series. But, I, but what I... was his takeaway, right? He's like, you could look at Genghis Khan as like Hitler, but that's not how we think about it. Yeah, and yeah. His yeah, whole yeah. framing was like Genghis Khan was this savage, killed this many people. Um, obviously, uh, the the thing that I think that does set Hitler. I can't remember talking about Hitler on this podcast, but like it was just like the targeted extermination of a race, right, or races and like gypsies. It's like that has always been kind of like what in a lot of people are 20th century mind, 21st century mind separates him. Although I'd say Stalin, this is now we're getting deep. But Stalin also targeted a race of people. It wasn't a race. It was a class of people, right? He was like, he targeted 
the kulaks is like this rich class. It's like, it's as bad in my mind to target a class of people because you're indiscriminately creating a class. Whereas obviously with Jewish people can identify them, but even rope in a larger population. I think that those things are very comparable, but Genghis Khan, which is Dan Collins argument is like, it just kind of gets lost and because 700 years ago, right? You kind of forget this dude is just a complete savage. And now when you mention Genghis Khan, which everybody's just kind of laughing. It's like, oh yeah, Mongols. Ha, ha, ha. And oh, he slept with so many uh, women. And that 1% of like the genetic pool is Genghis Khan. It's like, ha, 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 right? Like that's how like 700 <laughs> years later. Seriously. So I'm looking at Jack's face. Insane, man. I'm going on. I'm on. Fuck. Look at this, boys. Yeah, let's okay. see. In Genghis Khan's family tree. Wow, look, look at that, at that. tree, beautiful. bro. Diagrammatic <laughs> family tree. Exactly. But I was called it beautiful. You might be able to I was saying it's beautiful trend. that Jack is on, on Genghis there, Khan's family tree. <laughs> okay, so. Blau, <Yeah>, yeah. <laughs> let's ask you then. How often do you think about the Roman Empire? Honestly, similar. Like, I was actually like not that often, not like not every week. That sounds yeah. very often, maybe indirectly without realizing, but yeah, probably every few months, just like the way you described it there, Jack. But I don't, yeah, not, not as often. I did see a lot of comments like, first of all, they're like, is this an American trend? Cause I'm not there and I don't think about it as much. And then secondly, the big question was like, are people obviously just making videos as a joke now? Like, cause yeah. a lot of the answers, mm. this is a guy like, Oh, not that often, maybe four times a week. And we're like, how's that not often? And it's and then they'll they'll keep digging for the reasons. It's 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 a funny meme either way. It's pretty jokes. Let, let me add one the the actually based on what you just said, I think I saw a very earnest one that was is actually hysterical. And it's more hysterical because of uh, something I think we can all relate to. Like you know when your partner asks you something and then like you you say you understand it, right? Like you you start down the road and you realize you don't, and then you start fucking backfilling your answer. Yeah, I go. So like, yeah, yeah. I saw this one answer. The guy, so his girlfriend's asking, "How often do you think about the Roman Empire?" And then he was like distracted. He's like, "Yeah, all the time." She's like, "Let's start probing him." He's like, "What do you mean all the time?" He's like, and then you see him like thinking about how to answer that. He's like, "Well, the English <laughs> language uh, is Latin based, and uh, you know that was from the Roman Empire." Yeah, He's like, yeah, "That yeah. that means you think about it every day." And you can see the gear turning. It was Dude, like was a leading question, basically, right? And it's trying to play along. Yeah. Yeah, very interesting. Did, I will say anything... Jack nailed it, I think. He's like, kernel of truth is uh, the yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a kernel of truth. Trung, you shared um, an article about the marketing lessons from the Roman Empire. Was there any fun anecdotes? Oh, yeah, our boy Adam that? Singer. Uh, our boy Adam uh, uh, writes a hot takes uh, Substack. Uh, I know Adam listens to a couple episodes. I don't know if he's listening now, but Adam, great article. Uh, Great way to pounce on this trend and turn it into content. <laughs> so he trend goes up. jacking uh, life. Yeah. So a couple of things he mentioned, which is a, so he talked about a, a great at branding. Like we mentioned architecture. Obviously the Romans are known for their military uh, and the political systems. But man, the branding, like the line, all roads lead to, all, all roads lead to Rome. Oh, wow. So he actually yeah. did research and found that if you look at the thickness of roads around Europe, and you calculate the amount of travel on them, all roads actually did lead to Rome. So like, there was like a lot of branding around that, right? It's like political branding, man. It's like, man, Jack knows this. If you you say, you you make a slogan like that, it's like almost self-fulfilling, right? So yeah. uh, he said that, said there's a ton of influencer marketing. He's like, you can laugh, but like, that's what it was, the like gladiators, right? Like we all, that's, that's the thing. 
I think 99% of people, when you think about Roman Empire, is like, oh man, yeah, Maximus, like Russell Crowe, right? It's like, but that's the thing, the gladiators were the real deal. Those were the big deal in during the during that period of the Roman Empire. And uh they had a they were sponsored by very wealthy people and uh the sport, right? It's like the Olympic I mean the Olympics are from Greeks, but obviously the Colosseum and the Roman life is very much this branding creating of this uh macho kind of image, right? And uh, that's a good point. It's also funny how Rome has superseded Greece in uh, pop culture as like the formation of many things that maybe it wasn't the didn't initially deliver, but definitely like way more consensus around that as a more influential period of history, right? Yeah, just took it and ran with it, right? Just took took uh, whatever the technology was. It's like Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs saw the, the, the multi-touch. Here's the GUI. Steve Jobs saw his iPod. So That's Greek the, oh, Empire is okay. the is the IBM okay, of. <laughs> no, it's a BlackBerry. It's, it's iOS Blackberry. of Greek Empire. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and and Romans are the the, the the iPhone. It's like, oh, okay, I see what's going on here. Uh, Who's the Nokia uh, then? Is that Greece? No, no, Nokia would probably be. Uh, uh, I don't know, man. I don't, Testing I, that dude, history I can't, no, knowledge. Dude, I'm not, no, I'm not, I can't say it because if I call somebody in Nokia, we will get canceled by There'll some, some fights. Well, okay. We can say we can say Britain, can't we, Dalal? Yeah, we'll call them Britain. Yeah, yeah you, you can say. It, and I, I was an Indian back then, but I will take <laughs> it. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, the great, one, great, great point. Go on, go on. One go on. more marketing one is uh, this is interesting actually. So the interesting about Romans, because of the nature of the empire, it was much larger than the Greek empires and previous ones. They they were very decentralized. So for our crypto listeners, so decentralization, uh, they would send people to these local communities like North Africa, but integrate with the North Africans. And by melding the two cultures, you're actually spreading your own also. Um, so that was, uh, that. hey, Adam, Adam, if you're listening, that one might be a stretch, but I like the lesson. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I will say one thing you said about the influencer campaign kind of reminded me of, you know, we did the sports washing episodes about Saudi and the MLS with Messi. And I was thinking about it recently, like the way that the Saudi league is getting these footballers, it feels basically like an influencer campaign, like in a way, because did you see part of the name idea was that he has to post on Instagram and he gets paid the crazy amount? He gets like 500k a yeah, post. Yeah, it's, right? like, it's like the craziest <laughs> influencer deal. Nuts. It's crazy. And it's just like, that is kind of happening at a, this is like at a state level, obviously. Oh, dude, so, Bilal, you nailed it, man. I'm listening, I was, so the rest of history has a great podcast. They did it about the Coliseum. And they literally said, they're, they did the parallel you did. These are PhDs in history. So you're on the same wavelength. There we go. They're like, they're like, you guys know about sports washing in the Middle East? That's what they asked. He's like, that's basically what a lot of Romans were doing. The rich Romans were doing back in the day. Yeah. They're like, they were, they were making whatever they were up to, which is not good shit, look a lot better to the masses by having these competitions. So perfect. Incredible. Yeah, so maybe we'll do more on that another time when there's more developments. But yeah, we've covered it on the pod a bit. Um, all right, great chat on the Roman Empire. Let's get on to the Elon book and the auto workers strike. I know they're related, obviously, with Tesla. Uh, Trunk, I'm, I think I'm about twenty percent into the book, so I haven't. I haven't Give me your thoughts. What do, what do you think? So it's far, it's decent. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I love Walter Isaacson's biographies generally. Like, I, I've always liked his. Uh, 
Um, I, I love the Steve Jobs one. Uh, he's got a few really, really good ones. This one so far, it started off really good. And now I'm into the part where he's kind of like, because he does his chronologically, right? Like, so it's, yeah. it's, there's not like as much going back and forth and there's less creativity he doesn't do by in, theme, in the storytelling. Right? He goes like literally, yeah. it's like blow by blow. Here's yeah. how it started. Which, actually, which the organized part of my brain kind of loves, but the creative part is like, oh, there's maybe a different way to do this, you know? And I remember one thing this this guy I used to work with who was one of the best creative people I know outside of Jack. And I remember him saying, all stories have a beginning, middle, and end, but they're not always in that order. And it always kind of yeah. stuck with me. And uh, that's the thing. When you're reading a book like this, it can feel a little bit like, Oh, you're just kind of reading a more detailed. It feels Wikipedia like a history page. book, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. But it's, the, it's good so far. I did love the part where he's bringing the the girl a vanilla ice cream. I was like, this guy fucks, you know. Back <laughs> in the day, he's just going in uh, as a student. But yeah, yeah, go go. What are you gonna say? No, tell the vanilla ice cream story. Is well, I think it was something along the lines of um, he was trying to date this girl, um, and he'd organize a date with her. I think. Uh, he said like let's go get ice cream which i also love already like not getting a coffee it kind of reminds me of goodwill hunting you know where he's like can we get coffee and he's like no let's get caramels or whatever it's like let's get ice cream slightly slightly different who doesn't like ice cream and then she doesn't turn up so he basically goes to her house and then speaks to her roommates and finds out what her favorite ice cream is and it's vanilla and he goes and gets the vanilla ice cream and turns up at the library or wherever no, she but was. Nobody hunts her down and sort hunts of melted, right? Which is yeah, hysterical. like Rick Burton outside someone's door. <laughs> you know, he's just like knocking on the window. But yeah, I was like, okay, I kind of respect this. He's uh, he's he's someone who's gonna get after it. But yeah, what about you? You obviously devoured it in a week. So yeah, I read it. So I mean, if anybody, any of our listeners have read Ashley Vance's book about Elon, uh, that book goes up to 2015. So it's it's like but it's very. That similar. was I think okay. I read that one. Yeah. That was good as well. Yeah, it's very. It's, they're both good books. It's like you got that covered, right? Like there's not a ton of new stuff, um, but like Walter went on the Lex Friedman podcast and he actually said specifically, Bilal, uh, to your point, he's like I like writing chronologically. So he's done books on uh, Einstein, uh, Leonardo da Vinci, Steve Jobs, uh, Jennifer Doudna, which uh, invented CRISPR, uh, the gene editing technique, and uh, Benjamin Franklin. And he said, and I thought this was very insightful and makes sense, but I never really thought about it. Isaacson's like, I like to write the way Bilal described it from A through Z, birth all the way to adulthood, because I, I need to show the growth of the individual and yeah. why, why, how previous things influenced their uh, future things. And that was a big takeaway for me from the book. Like I knew, I'd known a bit about Elon's like upbringing, like very difficult. Upbringing, that stuff's like, quite insightful, actually. Yeah. Because like, I've dude, heard like, like pockets of it, but like I, again, without spoiling too much, he his dad and his relationship was pretty tough. His dad's a piece. He's not a good dude. His dad yeah, is not exactly. A good person. It comes like, across uh, like that in the book anyway, and he, yeah, says so that sort of stuff. You and uh, you know, I was telling you, I was reading a lot about this childhood stuff, like impact on adults. That's something I've been reading a lot more about, and you just start seeing it everywhere. You're like, oh, that person's acting in this way because when they're a kid, their dad wasn't there, and then they're trying to make up for it, and it's just becomes this big like therapy session in the real world but um yeah well, it dude, kind of let, oh, I, I listen kind up of right now i love they, that you brought uh, it up that, yeah yeah no i love that you brought that up because so david senra david listens to every episode so david i love i'm boring from you is uh in a lot of his, his podcasts david frequently says francis ford coppola has a quote the story of the father is embedded in the son so you can oh, tell yeah, a lot a from the child right yeah. but but actually when you look at entrepreneurs 
entrepreneurs. It's true. Steve Jobs yeah. never formally met his biological father, uh, put up for adoption. He found out later in life that he had met him, but he didn't realize it was his dad. And he said, I was very unimpressed by him. And out of his drive, in a way, it was almost like to as a F you, like, oh, you're abandoning me. You're 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 leaving me to be adopted. I'm gonna show you, right? Uh Jeff Bezos, his biological father, did not raise him. Similarly driven, right? It's like uh, uh I mentions uh Leonardo da Vinci. Leonardo da Vinci was abandoned by his father, uh, because he was illegitimate. His father, the biological father later did bring him into the home, but same, right? He's like, blah, he says like when you start looking at people. And like two from the founders podcast series, two really stand out. It's uh, Tiger Woods, uh, who's oh, yeah, that's quite verbally one. abusive to push in the documentary. Yeah, right. Yeah. It's like, I mean, uh, I'll give you an example of how bad it is. Is uh, and Blau giving him other stories. I'd love to kind of add on to it. But it's like the one that really stuck with me with Tiger Woods. Earl's, Earl Woods knew he wanted to make his son what Tiger Woods became. Uh, he actually thought in his mind that he could help race relations by making a black uh, or half black individual, the best golfer in the world. Somehow like, you know, because golf is a very Caucasian sport. sport yeah. Yeah. Um, but he would like his five-year-old son, five-year-old Tiger would be at the range hitting balls and his dad would be calling him the N word, like yelling. That's wild, and like right. pretending to be somebody in the crowd mm. to like scare him. And then Tiger said, it, it was like, he, he, he wanted to cry but he didn't want his dad to see him cry. So like he would just steal up and play. Like this is like the psychological abuse. A five-year-old. Right? Can you imagine? A like five-year-old five year old is going through that. It's crazy. Yeah, but well, so actually to build on what you said, the one I remember was similar at the golf course because obviously a lot of the stories are based on him being on a golf course with his dad. But he would just keep him out there all day and then he would be going on the side having these affairs with women like yeah. at the golf course basically. And he kind of grew up like seeing that and again you know without going into all the details of the story it's just like that's going to like mess with someone's head right like it will mess with me as an adult seeing your dad do that but if you're a five-year-old or a seven-year-old and then obviously what happened with tiger later in his life you saw him becoming you know this womanizer or whatever you want to call it um but kind of in the secret right like because on the surface it looked like he was this perfect family man and on the side he was just going in you know, so it's just like story. This. The father is embedded in the son, man. That's it. That's it, man. So that's a, that we could do a whole episode on that because that deep, is right? deep. So yeah. I'll say this about uh, so Errol Musk, Elon's father. Um, so a couple a couple myths that need to be debunked. First of all, Elon was not like, man, like this shit pisses me off so much on Twitter. It's just like the uh, like you know what? You don't have to agree with everything Elon does. I understand that. Uh, you don't have to like Elon. At least read the truth and find out what it is, right? Like, don't be basing your opinion off a of business insider headline. You should read this book. Read the first chapter. It's not a big lift. Like 20, 30 minutes. Uh, and, and Isaacson is also a very extremely reputable reporter slash journalist and uh, put in his uh, legwork, right? So like, yes, uh, Elon grew up in apartheid South Africa, but his father was an anti-apartheid political candidate and actually beat a pro-apartheid one. This was not an apartheid, a pro-apartheid family, right? This is a very, they, they were not a racist family. And uh, uh, the other thing that the, from the book, Blau, you probably remember this, like they were, I mean, apartheid South Africa, extremely violent. Oh like yeah. Elon There's and his one brother of him going and his sister, to the concert. 
we're seeing dead bodies. Like, yeah, you you yeah, just yeah. see dead bodies on the street. Like this was like South Africa. South Africa today is quite violent, right? It's oh, like, very, yeah. imagine in the seventies and the eighties, uh, they're just seeing dead bodies on the street. They're going, the, I think they opened the story with, they're going to an anti-apartheid concert and literally like on the way there, there's just somebody with a knife in his head and uh, they stepped in a pool of blood. It's wild. So like quite serious, right? And like, Elon was, because uh, uh, they, they saw that he's a little bit gifted as a child. They tried to get him a couple grades ahead. So he was two, three years younger, wasn't super social. I mean, he self-diagnosed Asperger's. He said he didn't have very many friends. So he's getting the shit kicked out of him by people two, three years older. Yeah. And like, and then his his father eventually sent him to, uh, it sounded like a boarding school. They went to, he went to a boarding school where kids were dying at the boarding school. So like, this is not, like we're talking about like Tiger getting yelled at and seeing his dad doing those stuff at that age, like the trauma that creates, this is the environment that Elon was growing up in. And his father had uh, ups and downs of wealth. Because I think he was a businessman too, right? And yeah. I think that's what a lot of the, similar to what you said, I think the frustrating thing is a lot of people will just, because he's kind of become a political figure now, they will just discount the good he has done, like in business world anyway. Um, and they'll just say stuff like, oh, but he was, he inherited a crazy amount of money or he, you know, came here with lots of privilege, whatever the word is you want to use. And it's neither like, is true, by the way. Neither yeah, is yeah. true. Like, yeah. yeah. And, and I think there's, exactly. So that was the thing. I think because the dad might have had some money at one point and then other times had no money, there's, you can kind of create a narrative that you want. So um, anyway, yeah, really, really, I'm going to definitely finish it. I'm enjoying it so far, but uh, worth Well, let me just draw the read. line. Like, yeah. not, not a spoiler. I'll draw a line and I love Jack's thoughts about anything I've said is like, so uh, Isaacson has a very uh, specific line and a lot of people that he spoke to is like, so at that early age, Elon, to deal with, I mean, constant fear, like, uh, you know, your uh, adrenaline, right? He's like, he's always on defense, like, ready for some type of fight whether that's a verbal abuse from his father or a physical fight at school like he's always on alert mode right like the fight or flight he's always in that mode so he learned to live and operate in that mode from a young age and actually like work well right and he also uh i've seen described he turns off fear like he literally just turns off emotion so what that means though is a couple things and, you know, the, the problem with these type of narratives is like, it's kind of easy just to be, oh, A, yeah, see black A happens C. It's like, is it really a straight line? I actually see, again, I don't, you know, this is a narrative. It is the story of someone's life. And it is easy to draw the lines. But I think you can, I think this is a case where you can make that. But like, by turning off fear, he's also turning off everything else that comes with emotions. Joy, empathy. Like, this, Elon doesn't celebrate anything. It just... On to the next. What's next? What's next? What's next? Right. And in like, relationships too, if you look at in relationships too, right? Like, like that empathy dude, you need with a partner and stuff as well. There's a line in the book where, uh, towards the end, one of his buddies asked him, his close confidants, like, "Do you need to buy Twitter? Like, you've had multiple. Like, you've had when uh, when Tesla almost went bankrupt and uh, SpaceX at the same time around the financial crisis, or in 2018." When uh, you're uh, ramping up Model 3 and the production hell, you slept two hours a night. He's like, could you do that again? Elon just looked at him and was like, I think I could do another five-year another five-year run of one of those, right? It's like, he just, he, he literally says, it's like, when there's this live or die mode is what motivates him the most. It's like, when he's not in that mode, he's like, he's not mo as motivated. And um, so see that in a lot of his adventures. Super risky, right? He's like, 
Yeah. Yeah, they're all in. They're, they're, everything, the everything's all, all in. in. Highly risky, uh, low odds of success. Uh, everyone's telling him it can't be done, but he's not thinking like that. He's just shut down that. He's just like, he's just, he's going to do it. It's, it's very difficult to read this book and not admire how much pain he put himself through to bring Tesla and SpaceX uh, to existence. I mean, yeah. they would have died on multiple occasions. And uh, every, they we're talking about the most successful people in tech, like guys like Peter Thiel, Reed Hoffman, Mike Morse from Sequoia. They're all like, this guy's crazy. They're like, yeah. the shit that he's doing is insane. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. this is like, this is the the most accomplished investors in the area. And they, all they deal with are A types, 99% of people. And they're like, this guy's a different animal. They're like, this guy is on a completely different playing field, right? So I think uh, I'll bring it back to like, I think it's because of this environment he grew up in. It's like, it steeled him to these things. And uh, yeah, uh, that's my takeaway. We don't have to get into this other stuff. Yeah. Like Tesla space. I, I wanted to make a comment about that, but curious, Jack, if you had any thoughts as well, mate. I know uh, <laughs> we were talking for a bit there. I haven't read it yet, boys, but I'm going to. Okay. That was a good summary. Don't let me muddy the great <laughs> ending that's flung <laughs> yeah. after it on. Yeah, yeah. All the right. only thing I was going to add, one thing beyond just the Elon part, was what we talked about earlier about the childhood stuff and people. It basically creating, in these cases we talked about, successful in air quotes people right like we've we're seeing the one side we're obviously not seeing all the people that had fucked up lives became addicts had terrible relationships like all the 90 percent of people can end up like that as well and the other thing i'll say is specifically is something i've had to reframe a little bit for myself especially with create a lab where i've interviewed a lot of successful in air quotes uh, entrepreneurs all of them have some form of this. Like it doesn't always have to be, I've seen a shank in someone's head in South Africa, but there is this like chip on the shoulder in pretty much all of the people that I've interviewed. And what I found is the ones I've ended up respecting the most and the ones I've kind of become friends with where I could because I've actually really gone with them was they were kind of emotionally evolved beyond just that first initial success drive. And what I mean by that is, um, like th those people, ad some people we should admire for certain things. But what I've realized over time is like they're really, really, really good at being entrepreneurs. They're really, really, really good at making money. That doesn't mean they're really, really good at life and yeah. being in a relationship, being a healthy person, you know, all the other things that you want to do in your life over over a long marathon of a, of a life. And there's a lot of them eventually get to that stage where they're looking at like, oh, well, I just sold a company for 100 mil. Now what? Oh, and now I need to do the next one. Now I need to do the next one. A lot of them step back and realize like, okay, this is one part of my life and I'm just constantly trying to fill up this void. And where is this void coming from in the first place? And that's where kind of that deeper work kind of begins. And so, uh, yeah, that's the only thing well, I want to add. What's the Naval quote? Yeah. Naval says something along the line, if you want to trade your life with somebody, you have to trade the good and the bad, right? It's mm -hmm. like, yeah. Don't, uh, wait, Jack, is that is kind of the thrust of it? Is like, uh, it's like if you want to swap places with somebody, but you wouldn't like swap places entirely, like swap their entire life. Like, mm, yeah, you're looking at a single outcome, and you know, envy occurs over whatever outcome. Let's say, uh, someone builds a successful business, everything they had to sacrifice, and the position they're in personally to have done that. You don't see that, but if you wanted that outcome, you'd have to have that uh trade your situation in, too yeah, well elon yeah. says in the i mean he said it before and it's mentioned in the book but he's like somebody asked him at a indonesian business summit he's like who how can we make the next elon and he just goes you know be careful what you ask for like i don't know if you want to be me he's like mm -hmm. 
I frankly, he goes, I torture myself like to an insane degree, frankly. And, and, and it's true. Like the dude's an animal. Actually, let's move on to the next part, which was the, yeah. the, the auto strike. Auto worker I'll, strikes. I'll frame, it, I'll frame it with this. So having said everything, let's just, let's just lay out what Elon has accomplished. So SpaceX, when they launched that rocket, the Falcon 1 in 2008 on his fourth try with his team into space, into orbit, they were the first privately built rocket ever to go to space. Before that, nation states, USSR, United States, China, with like a million times the resources had done that, right? So just objectively insane. Tesla, uh, purpose obviously is to usher in renewable energy uh, for society, sustainable renewable energy. They're also the first mass manufacturing car company in a hundred years not to go bankrupt. So two of the most impossible things you could have done, he did them at the same time. How many people could have done one of those things? Like we're talking less than five, maybe. To do two is one of one. Nobody else could have done both. Yeah. So Respect. we'll line that up for the next thing. So Bilal, can you line up? Yeah, let's the, talk uh, about all the worker strikes. I have not read too much on it because I was uh, kind of away for the last week. So uh, yeah, why don't you just tee up what's actually been happening? Because I know it obviously relates to Tesla and um, electric cars and stuff as well. Okay, so the uh, well, uh, let me tee it up, but then I want to ask Jack about his auto and how much of it relates to him, how much and that factory life, yeah, yeah, of the factory life. So yeah, uh, United Auto Workers. Uh, Block, you double check if UAW stands for that. The acronym. Sorry, man. Uh, that that is the that's the U.S. Union for one hundred fifty thousand auto workers at the big uh, car companies for United auto workers. Yeah. Okay. So uh, what is it? Ford Stellantis and Chrysler. Like, is it for oh, Ford Stellantis, which owns Chrysler and uh, a GM are the three big auto manufacturers in the United States. So last Thursday, uh, the, uh, their existing deal uh, went kaput. And I don't know if you have the tweet up there, but uh, on the demands that they made. So, they they want they have new demands. These are the demands. Okay, United Auto Workers proposal: a forty percent increase in hourly pay over four years. That pay is supposed to equal what the CEO pay has gone up to. Uh, reduced four day, thirty two hour work week. Faster path to top pay. Uh, cost of living adjustments. Uh, five plus weeks of vacation. And uh, a different a shift in the retirement plan. Now these are pretty big asks. And the TLDR is a lot of this is framed because of the electric vehicle revolution, right? I think in a decade, we can expect 30 to 50% of cars to be electric vehicles. And as we, as a lot of us probably know, and we talked about this episode, electric vehicles have a lot fewer parts than internal combustion engines, which means a lot fewer uh, uh, jobs, um, objectively speaking. So Tesla has really automated a lot of its plants. So it seems quite prepared for a world where labor costs are high. And, you know, Tesla is in the crosshairs around this in the sense of they're ununionized. And, but two, three decades before uh, the, the, the major three automakers in the United States also faced a threat from Toyota, Japan, which is also ununionized labor. So the argument is, Basically, the argument that UAW is making is like, don't let these car makers take all the money. Like, there's tons of profits to be had. Uh, guys like Elon are just pocketing everything. And uh, and the argument they make is, 
I think the UAW employee gets 60 bucks an hour, including benefits, whereas Tesla is 40. But then you forget that Tesla also includes stock options uh, for their uh, employees. Some of their, some employees from like, if you stayed from early 2010s, you're a millionaire now. Not to say that's the outcome for a lot, but that's how Elon is aligning uh, at Tesla. So I'll, I'll throw this to Jack on your thoughts. Having word of it. How much is this? I don't know how similar this is to London and UK, but uh, curious about, you know, you've been in that car factory life. Uh, how, and you've also probably seen, I think you mentioned in the past, like when those car manufacturer jobs change, what happens to those communities? So love your kind of like 360 thoughts on that. Yeah. So I worked for Honda for like close to a year before I went to university. And that was like, uh, I think it employed 5,000 people in the town I grew up in. So it was probably biggest, if not second biggest. Uh, there's also a like massive building society there. Nationwide, you remember that? Oh, below? there we go. Nationwide, yeah. Nationwide HQ is in, it's like might a bank, still be in Swindon. Like, yeah, it's a special type of bank, basically. So basically every other person you would meet would either work at Nationwide or Honda, right? And the Honda jobs, for the most part, were... Uh, production line so i can't even remember the how much i got paid there it wasn't it was better than any other like student like job a lot of people yeah would work there for their funds career for you it beats exactly. funds for you or whatever yeah and uh it's like i got a job through a uh like a talent agency thing like a, a recruitment agency thing you go in there, you sit there for a week, you do your training, and then you're like on one process at a time. So the way they built the cars, I believe it's like four or 500 processes, they call it. And each one of those is like 70 seconds long. So there's one person working on that. So there's a car rolling off the production line every 70 seconds. And there's like 400 people between, they like, as far as I understand it, they received a raw roll of of metal and a honda civic comes out the other end so this is not complete you know like assembly in one place like i think as far as car manufacturing goes like 90 percent of it is happening on site they're like turning the raw materials into the cars like pressing the panels and stuff pretty incredible um and getting that to run smoothly we, we used to have these attendance bonuses where like if you turn up 10 seconds late one day, I think it was like five, 10% of your weekly pay would be docked. What? I because mean, because you're sold saying, out the entire line. They're saying you're costing us 30 grand a minute. That's how they, that's what they said, because that's what the, the retail price cars. Obviously that's not, you know, I don't know how accurate that is, but the work was not like, I remember thinking even then, and this is 2009 or something is like, a lot of it was automated and you're just kind of moving something in place, you know, like you're basically there to like machine assist something in, whether that's like a, like a air gun or like a, a rack that holds a piece that you guide up. I'm sure it's like the cost benefit in that is like to automate this one part of the process would cost us 10 million pounds, or we can pay these two geezers to turn up every day for the next 15 years. Right. They're not thinking at, at at like the scale that they need to be thinking. Obviously, an incredible company, Honda. I think was it no, it was Toyota that kind of pioneered yeah, yeah. car manufacturing and came over to the states and taught a bunch of uh, 
just in time car manufacturing. Just in yeah. time, yeah. Inc process, like yeah. I remember just being blown away by it. Obviously, it's absolutely incredible that this stuff comes together. But at the same time, it was like, wow, there's so many dependencies along this. Where like, if I bugger something up, they used to have this thing where um, if you make a mistake, they would obviously stop the line and you fix the mistake. But then they would have people checking cars at the end, and then if one car has uh, anything wrong with it, they would check five cars either side. Then if they found oh. another mistake, five cars either side of that, or that, or that. Oh, damn. And we used to ship them out of Bristol to wherever. And sometimes they would have to take coach loads of people to the dock because they found something wrong. And they have to go and inspect all of these cars. And it was because, like, they didn't foresee something or you had, like, a new person on there missing a bolt on every car for 200 cars like a whole day oh my god dude it's just like Could a robot does not make that mistake right yeah. and they're going to find they're trying to find which ones yeah and the qa is is like very you know like these recalls that happen is like a lot of it must come from stuff like that whereas like somebody error, just yeah. had a bad day or didn't wasn't taught properly or just forgot and the weird thing about it is when you're in that environment, you don't really, you're not really awake until you make a mistake or something goes wrong. Oh, you're, you're just, just total autopilot. Just like complete flow state. Like zzz, zzz, you pick up the thing, bang, 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 bang. And then when the screw like snatches or something, you're like, where am I? What's going on? Yeah, Are you yeah. allowed to listen to music? No, the, no, no, no. The matrix. Dude, that like, sounds not it, yeah. great work. Oh, it was savage. It was savage. It was like you put in 400 <laughs> exhausts on a car every day. What was, was your insane. what was your particular job? Do you remember? Or was yeah, it? Yeah, I, I did. I was in this like one little section. So we did exhaust, rear suspension. I did the um, the uh, splash guard on the bottom of the car for a while, which is like twenty bolts. That was a horrible job, man. You have this like wobbly piece of plastic. You pull oh, it man. off a rack, go and stick it on the bottom, and then you're like putting twenty bolts in there. That it was is mental, sick. man. It's There's amazing so many... you did that job, man. That's so good. Oh, it was fun, man. And you know what my favorite thing about Honda was? A subsidized canteen. Oh, there Japanese we go. Japanese talking... curry for lunch every day. Oh, oh. Ooh, there the we pork, go. Pork curry? The pork katsu? Exactly. A little katsu life. Yeah, yeah. A little, a little katsu sweet potato curry. thrown in. Breakfast baps. Nice oh, little bacon yeah. rolls. The old jumbo, <laughs> jumbo sausage. Oh, incredible. Wait, and this is when, like... 5 p.m. on Friday, you're taking a direct flight to Ibiza. Exactly you, right. Exactly like, right. Magaluf. You and the boys. Yeah. Direct yeah. flight. We used to do, um, what was the shifts there? It was like, they were really odd shifts. It was like 6 a.m. to 3 p.m., I think, or 4 to 10. I can't, I can't remember the exact split, but it was like early morning to mid-afternoon and then mid-afternoon to late, late night. night. So when you're on the late night and it would be like week on week off. So the late night shifts, you're like, you don't have uh, really anything going on, especially when you're like, when I was in my early twenties, I slept until two o'clock in the afternoon then went to work. So it was like yeah, one yeah. week would just be gone. And then the week after that, you'd be off. Uh, Were you a student uh, as well? Early. This is before uni. Or it was before it was, I just got accepted into uni. So I was doing so a bunch was like of stuff. summer or something. And it was just before I got in, yeah, before I went in September to uni. So got I started stack up them the peas so you can buy it's your what? Jager bombs at exactly. uni. Yo, yeah. I don't know how many peas were stacked with these <laughs> weekly trips to Ibiza, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Man, life was a lot cheaper back then, man. I mean, you could, I remember basically I would just zero out my student loan in the summer, you know? 
I can't remember what I used yeah, to get, yeah, but yeah. that was the job. I was just trying to get to zero <laughs> Break even. by September. That was that was that's my smart, goal. Though. That's all. That's a that's a great way to do it. Wait, Bilal, you yeah. need to explain for non-British listeners what the P stands for and stacking them P's. P's. <laughs> yeah, what do you know? For? It's funny because there's a well, what does a P always, stand for? I don't even know if it stands for pounds <laughs> or if it's something else. But I remember, um, what's it called? Uh, it could be any. It could be pesos. You know what I mean? Could be any currency thrown in. Paper, paper yeah, yeah that's what it is that's what it is. sorry when <laughs> when we there was a famous song kano we'd reference him once a month on the pod also in top boy sully um he had a famous song p's and q's which comes from the phrase be on your p's and q's and uh, you know that's a, that's an older phrase that isn't necessarily just about like money in this case but for a long time people would be debating what the p's and q standing for and i remember one guy at school do a levels he was like yeah it stands for pounds and coins <laughs> I'm like what? Bouncing coins. Q for coins, and I'm like, this is the funniest thing I've ever heard. It's actually it's manners, isn't it? It's got something to do yeah, with yeah. good manners, yeah, but I don't know what the origin is. Yeah, it's like be on your yeah, exactly. Be on your best behavior. Best behavior, yeah. Also, Wait, incredible so, song. But Jack, yeah. let me let me let me ask you something. You know, related to this car manufacturer. So the big thing with EVs, right? Lot less parts. I I don't know what the numbers. I think it's like a tenth of the number of parts, right? Because you don't have Must an engine. Be. You're yeah, putting a like massive you... battery on there, and yeah. then that replaces just... probably twenty parts. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so... I, I would imagine that stuff is also just like you get in a Tesla, and it feels like it's just like four bits glued together. Yeah. And it's like the bottom, put the seats in, put the top on. Obviously, it doesn't go that way. But like even a Honda Jazz or something, it's like the amount of complex stuff in there. The other thing with the sorry to ramble no. on this, but the like interior specs on some of these cars like it was crazy the amount of customization that you're doing even at like honda on a car that is you know you're not like you're not buying a bentley and stitching your initials in the headrest right but people are still there's still 20 different trim levels there's like the se the se plus the executive the and the difference is like oh there's a little bit more black plastic around the bottom of this or the the dashboard's got like a little red line along it and all of that stuff is like on a different build sheet on the front of every car. Whereas Tesla is like, yeah, we're going to ship a million of the same ones. And then the screen yeah. in the middle, you can choose what color the lights are that come out of the side of the well, car. Well, that's the recall, right? If there's a Tesla recall, it's called a software update. Mm -hmm. that, that was a big thing. It's like, Crazy. there aren't a lot of parts. And I mean, Jack, I, just first principle walk through it, right? The sim, like... The cost advantage that Tesla will have, if uh, if listen, what I'm not saying whether or not the UEW deserves the raise for their uh, uh, union members, I'm saying if they increase labor costs by forty percent, and you're going into EVs which have a lot less uh, parts, and then Tesla is, remember they start from ground up, they're automating as much as possible. That's not a winnable game. Yeah, it doesn't feel like it for sure. That my um. The last week in at home, Celia's been talking about she listened to the CEO of Ford on uh armchair expert. Jim Forget Farley? The, the guy's name. Yeah, she is she is like super impressed with That's his awesome. uh his story and like I'm gonna how listen he's to that. thinking about Ford and the takeaway I had from it, she was telling me that he's like, We need to focus on our icons, you know, like we need to do the Mustangs, the Broncos, the GT40s, all that's like, we're like basically a nostalgia company. We make massive trucks versus like trying to compete. With, I don't, I haven't listened to the podcast, so I might be 
misquoting this, but it felt to me like a very big departure from like, we're trying to clone what Tesla is, right? And start yeah. building these like, you know, cars for the old birds crowd. By the way- but You appreciate that, that's Lindy, yeah. right? You're using the IP. We always talk yeah, about- Yeah, it's, it's a very different, yeah, it's a very different approach. Like they're obviously kind of competing. Well, they both make cars, but in a way it feels like, almost like fashion companies where- the car you drive makes a statement about your personality or your identity or whatever. And leaning into that, if you're, if you can't win the other game feels like an interesting move to me, you know? Well, never forget the best selling car in the United States for the last 35 years, the Ford F-150. F-150, man. Yeah. And like that to like start making like competing with the Nissan Leaf or something. It's just like you're, you're, throwing away your advantage in many ways or you're 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 kind of fighting against the momentum that you've created for yourself or not leaning into the i don't know maybe there's some analogy here with even like apple right it's like we just keep churning out this we've been making the same phone for five years and every single time we release it there's a thousand people waiting outside the door to get it you're not <laughs> trying to bend the phone in half or like have the screen on the back or like make the camera bend around. Like they're just, yeah, we got the formula. People loving it. We'll make it a bit better, a bit faster. Add a few megapixels. Yeah. yeah. And just keep churning it out. I think that's- I don't know if you guys ever, sorry, I was just saying, have you ever guys seen the GigaPress? This is when full Tesla automation. GigaPress. Go, go Google the GigaPress. So this is, this is the peak. There's a story oh, in Isaacson's book. Sick. So I'll, I'll just tell the story. But basically they're pressing because Jack mentions like it felt like a Tesla is like four parts and then you put some seats in. This is basically it. They're pressing the raw material into these parts that before would have been like 300 different parts. Mm -hmm. They're mm -hmm. just pressing it, die casting it. And the, the way it was told in the uh, Baltar Singh's book was Elon was looking at a toy Tesla. So when you buy a Tesla, they give you a toy of a Model 3 and he just kind of opened it. And he looked at the inside. It was just one piece, right? Because obviously when you press a toy, you're pressing one piece of metal. And he just goes, can we do this for the car? <laughs> They're like, what do, you, what do you mean? He's like, can we press this size for the car? They went to a bunch of industrial manufacturers. Every one of them says, you're crazy. This yeah. is an Elon story, right? They found one in Italy. They're like, yeah, we'll do it for you. So they built these freaking presses which are like the size of, I can't even tell you how big they are. They're probably the size of like, uh, uh, like a Starbucks. Now it doesn't look crazy. It's probably like six, the eight cars, the footprint yeah. of it. Oh yeah. yeah. Not that huge, but like the, 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 it's like 16,000 tons of pressure or whatever it is to press the metal into the Incredible. parts. But basically the next leg of this, so they're doing this for model wise already, the frame of the, uh, which is the uh, crossover. They're thinking about, uh, if they go one level, so, so this is the lineup. Model Y is a crossover. Uh, the X is the largest vehicle. The Model 3 is the sedan, which is one I have. The Model S is a luxury sedan. They want to do one that's $25,000 car, which would be like basically the Corolla. And they think they can press the entire thing, <laughs> the entire car. They're trying to make it so they can press it all to do you're talking about a line with like what Jack described one dude shooting in like 20 bolts. And then there's four other, 400 other steps. 
They want to press the entire thing. Well, so you know what, the, the quote that we haven't uh, pulled up, the factory is the product. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Dude, that 100%. idea, when you think about that in, in contrast to the mm. strike, I think that is really the frames the issue in a very profound way is the even i don't know the interesting thing i'm assuming about the culture at somewhere like tesla is being incentivized to do things in a more efficient way because you have the infinite horizon for expansion too well like in in other situations the there might be a better way to do something, but that might make me redundant. And in certain company cultures, maybe I will not be appreciated for pointing out my redundancy. And maybe that is a case of Tesla too, but I'm assuming that attitude is more celebrated at a place like that, right? Where you want the people that know how the cars are made and have contributed that to create leverage for themselves and remain in position to create even more leverage. But maybe that's not how it goes, but it, it also the writer's strike is a good uh, tee up Analogy. too. Yeah. Yeah, Automation yeah. in, in manufacturing and obviously AI with the right AI. stuff. AI with you, you know what? Work. We're going down this thing and I, I, I'm getting so like, I think there's auto stuff. I think we should skip Garmin just going deep on this. Yeah. So I'll fine. tell you guys. So let me give you a quote to what, uh, Jack just said. So this is Larry Ellison, the CEO of Oracle, founder of Oracle, fourth richest person in the world right now, by the way. That's um, crazy, man. The way Larry Ellison did it, but it's insane. Oracle is yeah. just, just nuts. It's crazy. So, yeah. So that nice. company, <laughs> obviously they did database management, right? Like that, uh, that was the thing. And uh, if you're wondering how he's so rich, uh, Larry Ellison, well, A, didn't need a lot of venture or as much in the 70s. But over the past decade, Oracle has been doing so many buybacks with their cash. His equity position in his own company, which rarely ever happens, has gone up by like 10%. So this guy... Of multi-billion dollar, he's yes. He's a fourth rich. Like, could you, could you think about that? We know he's rich. You know Larry Ellison's rich. To be the fourth richest guy in the world is insane. Oracle's well, look, a $300 billion company. I didn't, yeah. didn't So you guys have thought, I mean, we've talked about it in the past. It's like once Oracle's in the uh, your 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 corporation, your 5,000-person corporation, it ain't going anywhere. <laughs> yeah. You're not pulling that system out, right? But there's So anyways, a couple of things about uh, uh, Larry Ellison and Elon, which is interesting, is uh, Larry Ellison was Steve Jobs' best friend. They both hated Bill Gates. Uh, they loved, And kind they, of a mentor too, I think he said. Yeah, mentor to Steve Jobs. Yeah, yeah, they're boys. And... Uh, uh, Larry Ellison has only ever been on two boards outside of Oracle. It's Tesla and uh, Apple. So he clearly sees Steve Jobs or like something about Elon, right? And he's much older than Elon. He's like 20, 25 years older than Elon. So uh, he's a big investor in Tesla, has a board seat in Tesla. Uh, during when those leaked text messages of the Twitter deal happened, <laughs> there's one of the funny ones is Elon messaging uh uh, uh, Larry's like, oh, I'm going to take a Twitter private. Can I, can I get an investment? <laughs> and and uh, Larry's just like, what do you want? He's like, and, he, and I think Elon writes back one or two. And then that's it. One or two meeting billions. Like, <laughs> this is like the conversation <laughs> these guys are having, right? It's like, yeah, I don't know, maybe one or two. Dude, think about the love of your ass. When dead. you tell somebody maybe one or two means one or two billion dollars. But um, yeah, the last, when was said. the last time you said one or two? When you when you got asked how many bagels you want in the morning? Yeah, or what? Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> right? It's a different context. <laughs> Larry Ellison said, um, 
Ellison said they both had OCD. Uh, he goes, OCD is one of the reasons for their successes because they obsess on solving a problem until they did. But then here, here's a difference. He says, the difference between Musk and Jobs is that Musk was a manufacturing obsessive. And he goes, Chi I mean, Jobs, obviously design genius, never went to China to look at the manufacturing, never went to Taiwan to look at the manufacturing. Elon lives on the manufacturing floor. And to echo what Jack said, this is uh, Allison's final part, he goes, the brain strain of designing the car is tiny compared to the brain strain of designing the factory. So he's like, that's what set Elon apart. And like, if you read the book, the biggest difference actually with Ashley Vance's book, which ends in 2015, is you read about Elon's production hell when they try to ramp up the Model 3. This dude was sleeping at the factory for months. And he was, Jack, you will love this because he's literally walking the factory floors going to different uh, parts and he would just look he's like why are we doing this way how many bolts mm -hmm, is that mm -hmm. uh, six can it be two he's like he does it he's like it can be two i want this two is like uh, this needs to be done differently and what you mentioned about the incentive so there's something called the algorithm at tesla and, and, and spacex this is actually one of the big takeaways from the book too is like uh, i mentions the algorithm ad nauseum he says everyone at tesla knows what the algorithm is Everyone at SpaceX knows what the algorithm is. And this is it. Elon learned this during the production hell of 2018 for Tesla. So it's five parts. I'm going to list out the five parts and explain to you. Actually, Jack, I would really love your input on this uh, based on your experience in manufacturing. So his parts are, number one, make the requirement less dumb. Number two, try to delete the process. Number three, simplify or optimize. Number four, accelerate. And number five is automate. So the reason he put number five is automate is he actually did the opposite when he started Tesla. He goes, we need to automate everything. But what he learned was he was automating steps. Because remember now his first one is make the requirement less dumb. He was automating dumb steps. He was like oh, automating yeah. something that never should have been automated. In the, right? in the first place. What was yeah. the language yeah. on the last one again? Make uh, the, the last one is called automate. He just said automate. Oh, uh, just automate. Okay. So he actually did. You're right. Like if you've got said, a bunch of processes that shouldn't be there in the first place, elimination exactly, is more important. Dude. Yeah. So he has this great, so step three is simplify and optimize. He says the reason why it's step three and not step one is this. He goes, engineers love to simplify stuff, except they simplify stuff that shouldn't even exist, right? Mm -hmm. Like he's like, you need to get rid of all the shit that doesn't exist. So uh, step one is make the requirement less dumb. And he has a great example. He's like, he was walking the Tesla line and somebody's like, uh, he's like, why are we doing this? He's like, oh, like my boss told me, he's like, and he goes to the boss. He's like, why are we doing this? He's like, and then the guy didn't actually know. And it turned out some intern, like a summer intern years ago, had been like read about some efficiency thing and like added to the process. So he's like, wait, we're, we're doing this because some intern said it. And so he goes from now on, any step in Tesla's manufacturing process has to have someone's name on it. Because if you just give it to division, or you say, oh, a product manager says it, there's no accountability. He's like, I want the person's name on it. And I mean, th there's a threat there, right? I'm going to fire you if this is dumb. And he's just like, but Apple has the same thing. Apple has something called like the most responsible individual. As in every key decision is a single individual. You guys remember Antenna Gate when uh, iPhone 4 came out and the antenna was busted? They fired one of their top executives because you own that. You own that thing. It, yeah. yeah, so Elon's like, 
get rid of the dumb requirement because an, an intern might have done it. Delete. You'll appreciate that. He's like, delete everything. Delete everything that doesn't need to be there. We don't want to automate things that shouldn't even exist. So there, he said, has to delete to the point where you're adding back 10% stuff you're deleting. You should over delete. And then you only know that if you're yeah. adding stuff back to the process. So anyways, you know that's called what, the algorithm. I was just going to say what else is, is contributing to that too, is the, that's on the manufacturer and the product side versus I can imagine those priorities are different in different places where the product takes precedent or the number of variations we need to add to the product has to be accommodated by manufacturing, you know, versus this like top down, both of these things work together. The, I can't remember the language of this quote, but the product mentality is like, we're trying to make the most fun car in the world or something. It's like a really simple statement about what Tesla is supposed to be. Uh, I forget, but that to me is like, uh, Another advantage is, man, just 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 thinking about those two things as a single organism versus two, which in all types of businesses that happens, right? It's just the where there be the like creative, conceptual, come up with the idea, and then sort of push it over to be figured out by people with a different skill set and. I guess the higher up you have somebody that understands the nuance between two of those things and has like ultimate agency, the more it can, uh, yeah, the better it can, the better it can come together. No, that's a great point. They actually, so one thing he does is he, the designer is exactly to your point. The designers and engineers are on the floor together. He puts a design desk right in, like as close to the manufacturing line as possible. He's like, if you're designing a part, you need to see how it's happening in the process. Whereas to your point, a lot of these legacy automakers, the design guy in a different country, in sometimes. a different country, yeah, yeah. sending you a freaking, uh, whatever the, the PSD file is, right? The mm -hmm. Photoshop file or an InDesign file. But um, the last thing I'll add on this is, uh, uh, I don't know. Uh, so by the time this comes out, uh, it'll be Wednesday. So about a week into the strike, I don't know what the resolution will be. Uh, the last things, uh, I, I'm sure they'll get some of what they want. Uh, something I did read about is a like game theory involved. If you're an auto manufacturer, you might just give into this thing, give them the higher wage, knowing that in five years, you're going to have all the operating leverage because you're going to automate as much as factory as possible. So, and you obviously have a much longer time horizon than the unions. And, uh, and, and again, I have no true opinion either way. I'm just looking at the, the business field. And if you're going up against a fully automated plant, like that's going to be tough to compete against. Um, the other thing I'll say is, reading about the nitty gritty of the strike is pretty interesting. Like the, the strategy. So they have about $800 million fund. That's from the union dues. So they were going to shut down every factory everywhere, but they're, they, they realized if they did that, they only had two months to pay everyone the 150,000 employees. Uh, right. So like, they're like, okay, how, how do you cause pain to the, to the, to the car company to get what you want without, without blowing that fund. So they, they're starting now. Uh, at all three manufacturers, which is rare, you usually do it one at a time, like GM, you start with GM, you cut a deal, and then you go to Chrysler or Stellantis, you'd be like, hey, listen, we got a deal. But they did it all three, which is very hard to coordinate. But to make it fair, so like no one really fell behind, they all started on the same vehicle type. I think they all went at the SUV level. And then 
till and they kept the chip in their pan they kept the chip which is the ace of spades which is they didn't hit the escalade which is the most profitable car for gm and they didn't hit the f-150 yet but they're like you know it's like that's the next card to play right like that's what are the, the margins do you know Trump? strike on on those I don't cars want the they're definitely the top for them. I be, I'd imagine it's like 20, 30 percent. I'd imagine yeah. that's what it is. But but that that's quite that's like, quite that's top. What's like the operating profit of GM or anything? You margin know? on F. I think it's 10 to 15 percent. Uh, so they can uh, afford to do it. But but the interesting thing too is like, does the retail price of the how do you respond to that? Do you put up the price of the cars or are you just like, it's man, it's like a very tricky. Yeah. Do you do you run it through? So they make a gross profit of ten thousand a vehicle. Um, mm. That's an absolute number, though. Up oh, thirteen. So uh, the the entire organization is thirteen percent. So I'd imagine the F one fifty is closer to fifteen to twenty. So um, any anything they do to accommodate that, like just look at looking at it objectively, will instantly affect the value of the company just based purely on the yes. math of we have to shell out x amount more and if we're not changing the and even yeah, PEV. if you do P -E -E, this is another elon thing is like people what is it confusing desirability and affordability you, you've seen that talk they did no i didn't see that he's like you can make a product that loads of people want but if they can't afford it it doesn't matter like it's such oh, yeah, a yeah. it's such a ridiculously simple thing to to say, but it's like the difference between a thirty five thousand dollar car and a thirty thousand dollar car in the number of people will buy it is oh. making up massively for the for the difference in price. It's like you're pursuing scale from this very you know this point of view that's much higher up, right? Like if you're gonna add five thousand dollars to the cost of an Escalade. You're not going to sell more Escalades, but you might keep your you might keep people Existing. employed for a couple of years, right? I, I I guess that just looking at it from that scale, like a thousand dollars off a car, two thousand, three thousand, four thousand, is this enormous result? I think they just what what did the X just drop to? Just dropped under a hundred oh, yeah, grand. The, the or Tesla 90? price cuts have been crazy. Yeah, just the Tesla. nuts. I mean, dude, Q Q one twenty twenty three. The Model Y was the top selling car in the world. That's insane. If you think about it, and um, it's crazy. And so, to compare it, like, I just, like what you're competing against now, the price of that is going up. Like a Model Y against, I don't know, Ford Explorer or something. I don't know what the the equivalent would be. Like, I don't know what the net percentage increase in price would be based on these demands. But if it's anything material, it's just handing them another advantage, right? Yeah. Crazy. And obviously, like the last thing I'll say on that is, you know, the 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 Hail Mary and Elon said it himself, right? It's binary. This is a multi-trillion dollar company if we nail autonomy. And people joke about it. And he said it every single year for the last six, seven years. Uh, but yeah, that's what the company's being bet on. So he's like, we're gonna drop prices. Uh, we're willing to get in people because we'll make it back on software. Like that's 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 their bet, right? So we'll see. I think uh, I think on a but like even aside from that, like everything you said, Jack, is like the manufacturing edge is pretty clear. What's going on here, right? Like just from a manufacturing standpoint. And and what like I we'd have to have someone far more knowledgeable on the nuance of it. But I wonder what time scale that is. Like how 
much of an advantage that is how inaccessible that technology is like that's not open source is it like the patents for the manufacturing stuff they're not giving that away because that that's was a, a big question. that was a open source a lot of stuff let me see right open source tesla manufacturing anyways uh that's a great point that's a great point i don't know if they will but uh i think they just open source on the car itself but like you said man like the car design versus the factory right that that's the difference mm. It's a very different, I think we talked about this before, just like the the DNA from the get-go. Very, very different. Technology mentality versus maybe what you're seeing with this other stuff is like, yeah, you have to lean into the nostalgia of a Ford, for example, and buy a F-150 with a seven-liter V8 in it. And that's like... Yeah, that's a very different purchasing decision than a three-row Tesla with doors that only open two inches out so you can get in you know, in and out in the car park. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see it play out. And, like, I'll get a little Roman Empire reference in here. The, <laughs> like the, the, the convergence of all of these, like, industries being displaced feels like history, you know, historic-level events where, where you're, like, examining what, people do with their time or what technology does to displace the way people spend their days the 1500 years of like oh we have a wheel now everybody that was pulling shit along in a box is out of a job or everybody except for one right so it's fascinating times to live through it boys and documenting it on the not investment advice podcast yeah, for all go. time <laughs> There we go. Buddy, perfect way, perfect way to book in this. <laughs> there we go. That was great. Great summary there, boys. Anything else before we lock off? No, that was uh we'll, we'll hit up Garmin next week and yeah. uh, uh and no, that was great, man. I will say one callback to uh since we talked about it, I, I think you guys will like this. I looked up the origin of the phrase P's and Q's real quick. It's um from an old printer's axiom, uh, back in the early days of the printing presses, each line of text had to be set up one letter at a time. Since the letters in the press were reversed, so they'd print forward, the printmaker or typographer needed to be careful not to confuse one letter for the other. Reminding someone to watch his P's and Q's means to pay attention to the details. Obviously, that is, that's the origin, but you know, they Very were... Good. That was quite cool. I, I was looking that up earlier. And the reason I kind of uh, on the Kano song, that was obviously he using he's using that phrase as the original, but like a lot of music, there's multiple reasons you use that. And it's like a double or triple entendre. So that is why I was thinking of pounds for some reason mm -hmm. instead of paper when you said mm -hmm. it, which was the- Incredible. The, there we go. Victorian axiom there. So, all right. That's a great way to finish off, boys. I think that was a good episode. And we will see everyone again next week. Cheers.